Hey, it's Ben Bailey-Smith. And Sasha Bates. And now next week, we're going to return to the therapy rooms again. But for now, this is where we get to answer some of the many questions that you so kindly sent us. I mean, uh, you know, we love getting your suggestions for for characters, but I'm also fascinated to hear your theories, you know, on on why these characters are behaving the way they do. Coming up then, we're going to discuss family therapy with the Roy family. We explore why we love to try and figure each other out. And Sash, I want to ask you some questions. I've always wondered about being a therapist. Like, do you ever just fucking hate your clients? (laughs) (laughs) Plus, the fictional characters you'd like to see on the couch, of course. Welcome to Shrink the Inbox. Let's start with DJ Pele, pretty cool name. Says, love the podcast and great take on how we can review or evaluate popular characters on screen. You've probably had tons of mail about these guys, but considering the last season starts soon, how would you perform a group therapy session with the main protagonists of the TV show Succession? (laughs) Obviously, you'd need padding, tranquilizers and armed guard, (laughs) but I thought I'd put the suggestion in anyway. Keep up the amazing pod. Um, We we, we did actually, we did... um, Shiv uh, from Succession a few weeks ago. Go back and check that out if you've not heard it. And in that, we did refer to a moment, didn't we, in season one mm-hmm. where the Roy family have a disastrous therapy session. Actually, let's, let's, let's take a listen to, to one of the many clips we didn't have time to play in, in the show. Okay, what, what, what I guess I'm asking is, how do you feel about what you just said? Look, everything I've done in my life, I've done for my children. I know I've made uh, mistakes. Yeah. You can't just use the one sentence. Well, that's how I feel, Siobhan. I can make this shit up if you like. Sounds like you already are. Chef? Look, I'm... I guess where I'm coming from is I'm having a hard time diving in because, honestly, I'm wondering why he brought us here in the first place. I mean, was it for this photo opportunity? No, no, of course not. No, I wouldn't have brought you here for a photo and an interview. Sorry, excuse me? There's an interview now? Well, I told you, photo... No, you didn't. (laughs) <laughs> That's from Succession Season 1, Austerlitz, uh, Episode 7, with Dr. Alan Parfit, played by Griffin Dunn, Logan Roy, Brian Cox, and Shiv Roy, played by Sarah Snook. It's written by Jesse Armstrong, Susan Soon, He Stanton, and Lucy Preble. Directed by Miguel Arteta. Sash, what do you think? Could you get these guys in a room to begin with? <laughs> oh, God, How do you approach want, it? I would be terrified. It's scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is just like a therapy session from hell, isn't mm. it? I mean, that poor therapist. I mean, I just have to say, at the end, they do actually break the therapist. <laughs> <laughs> he dives into the pool. They have a break. He dives into the pool and he comes up with a smashed nose and his front teeth knocked out so they've literally silenced him (laughs) and broken him none of them are taking it seriously i mean logan starts by sort of calling them in the game roll up roll up they all know it's a complete pr stunt from Mm -hmm. from start to finish they are playing against the father i think at one point um roman says oh dad wants to win at therapy they sort of play their role shiv's the one that stands up to him she says come on dad you can't just keep repeating the same sentence he keeps Mm. saying everything i've done i've done for my kids which of course he believes, but it's the it's old Walter rubbish. White classic. Yeah, and somebody says something about dancing the dance, and you know that none of them are taking it, it seriously. Roman is like the little kid who backs down as he always does. Connor tries to be diplomatic. He says, "Oh, I think it's working." I mean, delusional even even there, really. So they all <laughs> they all play to type. All right. Well, there you go, DJ Pele. This one's from Matt Etheridge. 
who says, Hey team, really enjoying the first few episodes of the show and delighted to find it pop up in my Vanguardista feed, Unbidden. If you don't know about the Vanguardistas, that's <laughs> that's, that's what Mark and Simon over at Kermode and Mayo's The Take, that's what they call, you know, the guys who subscribe to them get all the ah. extra bits. They salute the Vanguardista every every Friday on, on their show. And you can do that too. You can become one of the Vanguardistas just by uh, subscribing for ad-free STB and K&M. Anyway, Matt says, could I make a pitch for one of the finest characters ever to grace the small screen in a show that blazed a trail for everything that followed in its wake? NYPD Blue's own Andy Sipowitz. Oh my God, I loved this show, Sash. It's really influential on you, isn't it? It was a big show for me. Uh, Wonderfully brought to life by Dennis Franz. Never before or since have we seen a character brought from the depths of depravity and cynical prejudice to the heights of redemption. Unpicking his psyche is possibly worthy of a series, never mind a show. I'd love to see what you folks make of a man, the likes of whom I doubt we'll ever see on screen again. Much love, M. I think mm. you're I think you're right, Matt, actually. It's probably not the same kind of appetite to see yet another male cop going through this. I think at the time it really was groundbreaking. It's sort of like ninety one. It dovetailed time wise, as I recall, with Homicide Life on the Street, which was grittier even than NYPD Blue and, and based on, you know, real life events that David Simon, who went on to write The Wire had had experienced in, in his time as a, a, a crime journalist uh, working alongside police for the Baltimore Sun. They were almost competing. And I think in the UK, they were both on Channel 4, which says a lot as well, you know, always like trying to push the envelope. Yeah, since then, it's like every cop show is going to have like the trouble guy. He doesn't quite play by the rules, you know. But I think Matt's right. Dennis, Dennis Franz's character, Andy Sipovitz, was one of the, the really early ones. Also, I don't think it's often you'll see a protagonist who looks like him i mean he looked a bit like the penguin from (laughs) batman you know like i think even if you were doing the troubled cop thing now he'd still be really fucking attractive like (laughs) idris elba do you (laughs) mean (laughs) that's a great shout matt thank you those shows didn't make as big an impact on me as they did on you so it might be worth going back and having a look because there are so many detectives and like you say so many of them are a bit cardboard cutouty yeah. but a few do shine through and actually you know I've I've got my eye on a, a, a Who couple. Who got your eye on Sash? Oh, well. No you can't say. <laughs> well, can <laughs> I not? A surprise. Well, no of course well, you can. Well um, other people have, have you know some of you have written in and suggested the lovely Luther as well. Mm. I mean obviously I would have my eye on Luther who hasn't <laughs> but um, I think he's a bit more complex than, than some of yeah. them so Let's maybe uh, lobby to do to do mm, Luther. Mm. Now, I thought I would use this opportunity, Sash, to put you on the spot with oh, some golly. general, yeah, some general <laughs> sort of therapy questions. The, the, the first thing I'm thinking is, <laughs> do you do you ever get bored? Because I I sometimes am in therapy and I think I'm boring myself here. <laughs> I just feel like a broken record. Do you ever genuinely just get bored by certain clients? You think, oh, God, here we go again. Or even dislike them. People do ask that. And I think it is their own fear coming out that they're worried that they, they bore their their own therapist. Yeah, I'm thinking, I need something exciting the, this week. Yeah. I've, got, I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> or or, the, or the, the therapists don't don't like them. But you know what? I'm never bored. And I never dislike my clients for slightly different reasons, although it's a very similar reason. I, I can't dislike like anyone who 
shows me their vulnerability. If mm. they're bringing their whole selves and they're telling me or showing me the things about themselves that they're really ashamed of, that they are too scared to show anyone, that they have tried to keep hidden, that have impacted their whole lives, it's really hard to dislike somebody when you when you see that innermost self and that vulnerability. And it's it feels like a real privilege right. to hear about people's deepest, darkest secrets, even the things that they think show that they're sort of odious, horrible people. I never think of it like that because I can always, as I try and do with our, our clients that we have here, I always try and say, well, what brought them to mm. exhibiting those behaviours? Because yes, behaviours might be unpleasant, but the person generally has very good reasons that they've had to adapt that behaviour to protect themselves or to save themselves from something really awful. So once you understand why people are displaying behaviours that they and we find unpleasant or dislikable, then it's really hard to dislike them as people. Um, it's partly why I do the job, really, because I don't think anyone's dislikable without good cause. Well, sometimes if I'm watching a really affecting drama or just something disturbing, could even be a documentary, uh, it might creep into my subconscious, into mm. my dreams or mm. affect my mood. How on earth like, do you have... How, I don't know how many clients you've got at the moment, but I, I assume over the course of your career, there's been a lot. How do you have all their issues, especially the more uh, troubling ones? Maybe they're really sad stories. Maybe they're really dark. How do you deal with having all of those in your head? Yeah, well, I think it's part of why the training is so long. I mean, it takes six years to train to be a psychotherapist. And of course, it's not all just learning loads of theory. It's mm. learning about yourself and it's learning about how to have a, a sort of boundary that is porous when you need it to be so that your empathy and your compassion and your kind of mirror neurons um, can kind of tune in to your clients so you can kind of understand them on a more visceral level, but so that the boundaries aren't so porous that you then just take on board all of their stuff and you can't put it down at the end of the day or you can't distinguish between what is theirs and what is yours. So I think a lot of the, the training is a, a, around Around understanding the boundary between where they end and you begin mm. and when to kind of open a door into into that because it's useful and when you need to shut that door and, and keep more of a, a, a distance. And it is also really important as a therapist to have lots of self-care mechanisms, mm -hmm. to have a way of marking a transition between that was me at work and this is me yeah. not at work. For me, it's sort of exercise and yoga and watching telly and yeah. uh, swimming and going out with my friends. And, you know, you, you have to do something to kind of shake it I off. Gotcha. And sometimes I literally yeah. shake it off. I'll kind of like jump around the room. And like <laughs> oh, God, literally no sort of more. Shake, yeah, yeah. Shake shake my hands out as though I'm trying you see massage therapists do yeah, it as yeah, well yeah. sometimes it's almost yeah, like you're flicking off other people's energy yeah, yeah. and of course therapists have to have supervision we have to have our own supervisor that we can go and take stuff to so so you get a lot of support as a therapist and it's part of the training to kind of have that distinction between what is theirs and what is mine I know you say you shake it off but you know, if I'm you and I'm, you know, on a date with a guy or something, then he goes to the toilet. How do you stop yourself going, 
Yeah, classic mother issues, um, <laughs> you know, overcompensating. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you must be able to like psychoanalyze yeah. a person that you just well a little bit. You know, I mean, outside of work. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I do a little bit clock a, a few things that are really yeah. obvious, but I wouldn't like use that information um, <laughs> like an evil uh, magician or yeah, hypnotist. <laughs> yeah, but but also I'm not in that same frame no, of, course, of, of, of mind. I always think that when I'm in 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 the chair, so to speak i'm sort of 80 percent therapist and 20 percent me and then when i'm kind of out of the chair i'm 80 percent me and 20 yeah I can, I can verify that i mean we we went out for a drink together and i within the within the couple of drinks i completely for, forgotten you know what it was just seemed like completely normal i never <laughs> like i never sat person. there yeah i never <laughs> sat there going oh god i wonder what she thinks of this i wonder what she thinks of that so you definitely you're definitely doing that instinctively i mean we we all sort of uh, care about our friends and want to know what's going on about them and I think you know anyone that becomes a therapist is because they are interested in people anyway so it's only really an extension of what I do that I've I've always done and I think a lot of us do you kind Mm. of you want to know what's going on with your friends you Mm -hmm. want to sort of think why do you keep staying in a job that you hate or a relationship you you hate so you know it's just People who kind of relate to other people, which, you know, good friends do, there's always going to be an element of that anyway, of thinking, oh, gosh, you know, I've I've heard you say this before kind of thing. So Mm. it's not a million miles away from it. It's just there's an awful lot of training and boundaries in in between. Here's a curveball. I had an issue with a therapist uh, that I wasn't happy about and Mm. I didn't know how to address it. And then Mm. I thought... Wait a minute, I know a therapist. <laughs> what can you tell people out there who are maybe, they, maybe they're in therapy now, maybe they're uh, planning to go into it, maybe they're terrified of going into therapy, mm. but once you're in there and it's not working for you, mm-hmm. for a client, what do they what do they do? You are ultimately employing the therapist to be of service to you. But what can often happen is that the dynamic gets set up, rightly or wrongly, consciously or unconsciously, that uh, the therapist is the expert and mm-hmm. you are there to learn from their great knowledge, which is actually nonsense on many levels because you are the expert of you. And the therapist only knows what you tell them. They can only go on the information they've got and what they can read in to the stuff that you're not saying because we also read a lot in, in what is not said. I would always say, as I did to you, just say what you're feeling because the therapist wants more than anything to understand you better. And if you're not saying this is uncomfortable or this isn't working and just just say. Yeah. And if the therapist reacts badly, then I think that tells you that you're possibly That's not you with the right know. therapist. Yeah, time to move on. <laughs> and I, I, I think maybe open with it because yeah. <laughs> save that money, man. And You know, whatever a client brings, that is information, whether it is that they're worried that they need you to like them, whether it is that they're worried that you're boring, they're boring you, (laughs) all of that stuff, that's information. If you were to come to me and say, oh, I really worry that I'm boring you. Are you sick of me? Do you think I shouldn't be here? Which is actually something that many, many clients do say. That sort of unworthiness of, oh, I'm sure your other clients, you know, I'm sure they have proper problems. All of that is information about how you you view yourself and how you view yourself is often how other people have viewed you and how you've been treated and so what has those are the things that have made your created your internal working model which is something that again I've talked about a few times on the on the on the pod I think it's absolutely fascinating here's 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 a great question right 
what kind of session ender are you? <laughs> are you like, are you like one of those? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm going to have to stop you and like palm up, or do you let them like in what was that? Is it in Mastermind where they say you know I've started so I'll finish? You know that you'll let them get to the end of their thought, even though it's run over now by 90 seconds you'll let them get to a pause and you'll go thank you you know we're gonna have to end there that's that's our time yeah. or are you just like nope sorry or if it's online just the slam of the yeah. laptop <laughs> I, could ne- I could never be quite so brusque I mean I do think I am quite boundaried because I think part of what makes be, yeah I think part of what makes therapy works is that sense of security you get from knowing that your therapist has boundaries boundaries and that you can't weasel a bit more time out Mm. of them by being a certain way because again that might play into things that you've done all your life or if I'm just a bit more cryy or a bit more (laughs) seductive or a bit more funny then they'll let me stay Mm. but actually it's part of the therapy to say no those old tricks are the very things that are holding you back and that you need to learn other ways Mm, of being. So I am quite boundaried I really try to stick to time and if somebody is terribly upset or or just getting to some big, big revelation. What I always try and do is say, we've got five minutes left or we've got 10 minutes left. So ah, they, they have a bit of a countdown. Yeah, so smart. I might say, okay. look, I'm, we have only got five minutes. This sounds like it's a bigger story. We might need to hold that thought and bring it, bring it next week rather than start something that we can't finish or if somebody's very um, sobbing a lot I might say look we we might just need to do a bit of grounding exercises (laughs) we might need to think you know tell me what you're going to go and do next so that we can start to think ahead so that you're not leaving here as a complete sort of puddle mess um, to go off to your next meeting so I, I try to have a bit of warning so that we can prepare for the ending. Interesting to think that that could trigger you know the famous doorknob moment yeah. it's one of the first things I, <laughs> I learned from you yeah alright after the break we're going to look at why we want to find narratives in others and I get to ask Sasha some of those tricky questions so we'll see you after some messages unless of course you subscribe to the take in which case we'll be back straight after a shout out to our friends Nurse Jackie Top Boys Jamie and George Costanza Hey, it's Ben here. Shrink the Box is sponsored by BetterHelp. And most of us are very busy. We find it hard to fit an extra, well, extra anything into our day. But what if you had another hour every day? Imagine that. I'd start by working through the massive list of TV shows you guys have got me watching for Shrink. Thing is, we'd all love more time. But actually, if something's really important to us, we prioritize it and make time. And therapy can help you identify what matters to you and how you can do more of it. So if you're thinking of starting, give BetterHelp a try. I know, I use it. It's great. You get matched with a registered therapist. You can switch if it's not clicking for for no additional charge. It's all online, and that saves you those precious minutes, right? So with over a 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash shrink the box today to get 10% off your first month. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash shrink the box. And we're back. Here's an email now from Lily who says, Hello, Ben and Sash. I'm 16 years old. Oh, so our youngest yeah, that's listener yet, I reckon. Sorry for all the swearing, Lily. 
and very interested in psychology. So it goes without saying, I'm a massive fan of your podcast. I've loved all the episodes so far, especially Queen's Gambit. What a great show. And very much enjoyed the Sopranos episode, even though I've never seen the show. Well, I'm glad about that, Lily, because it's mm. technically an 18. Um, <laughs> and I'm uh, sorry for all my potty mouth so yes, far. Apologies. Um, I would love to see an episode done on Hannah Baker from 13 Reasons Why. She's an extremely interesting character who feels so deeply and has strong opinions, which I think would be great to unravel in the podcast. I'd also love to see an episode on Joe Goldberg from You, as I believe he has a lot of unsolved underlying psychological issues to unpack. Thank you for all the great episodes in your podcast. Can't wait to hear whatever character you decide to explore next. Kind regards, Lily. Interesting, Mm -hmm. those two choices, Joe Goldberg and Hannah Baker, because I have a daughter... Uh, just a year younger than her and a, a daughter a year older ah. and they love those shows I think there is a lot of, I'm not saying they're teen shows in mm. fact you is is uh, another one Lily probably shouldn't be watching <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, regardless they're very popular mm. among among teenagers and mm. um, I know you and I have been talking off air a little bit mm. about teen leaning television yeah. and and teenage not just teenage characters but you know teenage viewing and you know the way we package youth within uh, television so i think hopefully yeah, there's going to be something for lily to get her teeth into I very so. very soon mm. um this one's from laura who says ben and sasha i've only started listening to your podcast recently and it blew me away Delving into the minds of some of my favourite characters is so interesting. Listening to Sasha explain the theories behind certain feelings, actions and emotions uh, of these people that we think of as real is a black hole I never want to leave. That's lovely, isn't it? Mm. A lovely turn of phrase. Imagine never wanting to leave a black hole. (laughs) Sasha's explanations make so much sense that that I've started to recognise certain behaviours portrayed by these characters in people I know in actual real life. (laughs) Like having a light bulb moment and realizing, oh, that's why that person is like that. <laughs> I'm so glad, Laura, because that's the vibe. That's what we're going for. <laughs> like, it's not just a flight of fancy. No. Um, please continue this podcast, she says, for as long as possible. It's absolutely brilliant. Some suggestions from Laura. She says, Carmela, who we've talked about definitely, AJ, Anthony Jr., and Chris Moltisanti from The Sopranos. Uh, from Mad Men, Joan, Peggy, and Betty. Yep. Definitely, we've discussed Peggy more than once. Kendall from Succession. I mean, yeah. <laughs> anyone from Succession. Tommy from Peaky Blinders. Yeah, oh, yeah. a couple of Tommies. Mm. Dawn from The Office. I don't know if I've seen that one before. <laughs> That's a lovely one because Dawn says very little, yeah. but we see yeah. a lot through her eyes just behind that desk. Yeah, she says so much by saying so little. Yeah, <laughs> and Nikki, Margaret and Gillian from Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, I remember there being a few uh, messy people on that show it's been a while since i've seen it anyway she says thanks uh keep up the excellent work laura brilliant what do you think it is that makes us want to do this thing like you know we see these characters on television we look at the look at people's behaviors in fiction but also in in real life and we we want to come to a conclusion about them we want to go yeah you're like this because of this this and this i've worked you out you know <laughs> is it is is that a does it make us feel better? I've, I don't really know why. Like why we feel the need to do it so much. If we can spot in uh, other people 
behaviors that we recognize in ourselves or those closest to us. It helps us understand them more. It helps us realize that maybe we're not so freakish or so unusual or so awful, whatever our, our view of ourselves is. Mm. And I think understanding our friends, sometimes it can be really hard to see our friends do destructive things or make mistakes. But if we can kind of see it portrayed in, in fiction and, and work it out that way, then it gives us a greater understanding. And I think, you know, I don't think we can do anything without self-awareness. I think it was Socrates who said the unexamined life is not worth living. It becomes a very dark, cold, unimaginative place if we don't start to question ourselves and those Absolutely. around us. I mean, is there anybody more irritating than someone who just has, knows everything? They've, yeah. they've, they've worked everything <laughs> out. They've got their position. Yeah. This is it. There's, they're, they're, they're right about every little element of it. Good luck to those assholes. All right, here we go. Mm. From Aiden. Hello, <laughs> S&B. Shrink Ooh. and Box. Sasha and Ben. Uh, love the show. I've not even seen the majority of the shows you've covered, but still enjoy your dissection of the characters. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved telling jokes. How is this going? That I, I now realise are bad. And one that sticks in my mind is knock, knock. Who's, who's there? there? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you got to join in. <laughs> I'm okay. going to join in. Why knock, not? knock. Who's there? Amos. Amos who? Amos Skeeto. That actually tickled me, and I don't know, it really shouldn't have. I've just never heard that one before. In this case, I'm thinking Amos is that disturbing yet intriguing character from The Expanse. Oh my God, that was just a setup for his suggestion. Okay, fine. Fine, Aiden. I'll let you There's continue. There's a script writer says, in there, Aiden. Have you thought about writing a script? You I do don't good. know if he is too extreme or not nuanced enough, but I find him quite compelling, especially for the reactions he provokes from those around him who struggle to reconcile his actions and attitudes with their own. Cheers from Aiden, also a doctor, but not that kind or that other kind. Wow, that's uh, intriguing. That is the most tenuous <laughs> intro. I mean, what a segue. Aiden. I've not seen The Expanse. I've not even heard of The Expanse. No, or me. The STB team tell me it's a much-loved sci-fi series that's had six seasons so far wow. and a 95% positivity rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. That's pretty good. And it's on Prime, which I've got, so I'll check that out. And right. Apple. Yeah, there's a bunch of star, uh, like sci-fi shows we haven't got into, like Stranger Things and... The OA, the Star Wars universe. Oh, well, you, you can tell us all about that. Yeah, I suppose I can. I mean, it's, I think it feels like they're sort of on the back foot a little bit because the plot and the, you know, everything is just so forefront. Yeah. We've, we've, start, we've started off by digging into very real world characters, I suppose. But, you know, yeah. there's, there's any sci-fi that has ideas at the forefront will have hopefully mm. interesting things. I mean, look at Alien. Remember Alien? There's, yeah. That's been psychoanalyzed yeah. for... Donkeys, yes, for, yeah, for decades. <laughs> yeah, because horror in general, yeah. that I think horror often shows us people's deepest, darkest yeah, secrets um, or fears, rather. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a big Stephen King fan. Oh, I think yeah, he definitely. really gets into people's psyches. He understands the fears and terrors that lurk beneath a lot yeah. of us. I mean, he's done mainly films, hasn't he, rather than Yeah, I think there must series. be adaptations. I'm sure people are screaming down the... Uh... Yeah, and, and I mean, another horror thing that people have been talking about a lot recently is The Last of oh, Us. Oh, everybody. Yeah. Literally, the meeting I was in before I came in today. I've seen The Last of Us. Seen La Every day. <laughs> I almost don't want to watch it because everybody's <laughs> telling me to watch it. I've been a bit put off by starting it because I've got PTSD from The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. It's the weirdest viewing experience of my life because I stuck with it for nine seasons. 
wow. to the point where I was dreaming about zombies every <laughs> every night. Even when it stopped working for me, I just kept on going. Like I was in some kind of like abusive relationship that I couldn't get out of. <laughs> and then get to the last se- the last season started. I started watching episode one of series ten. And I don't think I even finished the episode. I was just like, <laughs> it was just like this moment of clarity. I was like, yeah. I'm done. I'm done. After nine Free. series, I'm done. It was ridiculous. Liberation. It's, it's helped me now, I think, with mm. getting like series that aren't really working. I'm just like, oh, no, I'm not actually, no. No, life's too not short again. to yeah, stick with something. Once. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what scares me most about a zombie apocalypse? What's that? All the walking. <laughs> ah, <laughs> stepping into the realm yeah. of jokes. Maybe I'll le- I think I should leave the jokes to yes, you. Yes, please do. All right. Um, so we'll see you next week for... Jimmy. Jimmy. Medical Soul. Yes, of course. Can't wait. Bye. Right. Bye-bye.